Welcome to the Running After 40 podcast, the podcast about all things related to running at 40 and beyond, produced by www.runningwithgrit.com. We help you stay physically healthy and emotionally strong at any running pace. I'm Sarah, your host, and a wife, a full-time working mom with three kids, three dogs, and a lifetime passion for running. Whether you are a veteran runner looking to maximize your times as a master runner or a brand new jogger starting in your 40s, 50s, or any age, this podcast will be there for your journey. I want to share stories, secrets, and strategies for success. This includes mistakes and lessons learned, all related to running past age 40. Let's hit the play button together and hit the roads as runners with grit after age 40. Hey guys, welcome to the Running After Age 40 podcast. I'm Sarah, your host, and today we are lucky to have a special guest. Her name is Jenna, and I'll let her introduce herself in just a moment, but I want to first thank her for reaching out proactively uh, to be a part of this and really help you guys. One of the things that I noticed right away on her running website was that she has as a headline uh, something that I think a lot of us have been told, which is you've been told to stop running. Uh, and I was definitely told that. I was told that when I was back in my 20s, uh, I had knee surgery and it really was a big bummer. I remember uh, there's not really a day that I can remember like this that was just so gloomy. The day he took, you know, this orthopedic told me, you know, you'd be better off to take take up something like endurance biking or something. And he was like, he does not know me at all. Like running is, you know, a big part of me. And it's just, it's my friendship. It's uh, actually, it's my husband. It's, it's all different aspects of my life. And so for someone to tell me that just was, uh, I can't, it was just such a dark cloud over me. And I think Jenna phrases it on her website, like you can really lose hope. And I did at that time. So I'm excited for Jenna to share you know, just ways that we can get back to running after injury. She's a PT uh, by training, and I I believe we'll learn in a second here, but I think this is, you know, what her whole practice revolves around. So stay tuned. I think this episode is going to be filled with good gems for you, and I'm just going to pass it right over to Jenna. Jenna, please introduce yourself, uh, share, you know, a little bit about your background specific to running, and then also how it transitioned over into what you're doing now on a daily basis. Well, thanks, Sarah, for having me on. I'm super excited to connect and to share some information with your listeners. Um, I started running in actually elementary school. Just I fell in love with running the mile in school. I was a little fast, so that was also very exciting to be kind of good. Um, and I just stuck with it. I ran uh, cross country and track through middle school and high school. And then when I went to college, I knew I would need to focus on college studies, and I didn't know how to navigate a college team and studies. So I just focused on um, college to for sure get into grad school. I did run just informally on my own um, just to keep up my my health and my passion for it and just to keep strong. Um, so that was it was all really exciting to do. And then you kind of talked about how that faded into my career. So I decided pretty early in college to be become a physical therapist. And I knew I needed to focus, like I said, really hard to study to get into grad school. It is pretty competitive. 
Um, when I decided I would really focus on runners was I had some experiences with um, an outpatient orthopedic setting, which is what most runners have been around. And um, I just knew that I wanted to help people like me that wanted to get back to their sports or get back to their life or get back to taking care of their children. And so I always had a love for just orthopedics, um, just that kind of niche. And then I've been focusing on that my whole career of working with runners. So I've taken a lot of specialized training um, in biomechanical gait analysis and um, coaching classes, coaching training, um, and then just as many running uh, physical therapy, continuing ed courses I can get my hands on. Um, And now I've started my own private practice to focus on injured female runners and runners returning um, after a pregnancy or running during pregnancy even, because um, that was just something I found really hard to navigate when I was coming back from pregnancy. Um, I just wanted to have a better um, framework for people. And everyone is so individual, so it does end up being very much it depends. But just to have uh, to have help for these people to guide women back to running after uh, pregnancy and childbirth. Wow. So that, that's kind of how I transitioned into having my own practice. Yeah, that's an amazing story. So cool. So I want to start like with the root part of this, which is, you know, you went to PC school because you wanted to help people keep up with training, whether it's running or another sport. And one of the things that I have always believed, even when I was running in college, is that, you know, most of my injuries were something that if I didn't figure out like the root cause of it, that it would just come back. Uh, so I really became a, 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 this is probably not good to say on this podcast, but like, I don't like to go to the doctor because they'll just tell you to stop running. And I think most runners can probably relate to that. Uh, and there is, a, there are injuries, right? Where you would just have to stop and just rest it. But I would love to know a little bit more. It sounds like, you know, biomechanics are a big thing, but well, what has been your framework like from the start? Like, would you agree with that, that most of the the practitioners or the physicians out there are, are giving bad advice just to, you know, stop running, take off time and then come back you know, and then go back. And then the injury is just going to come right back. Like if you don't fix it, whether it's your shoes or your gait or whatever it might be. Yeah, I think there's a lot of misconceptions out there and it's hard to say that it's bad advice. I think it's just kind of a maybe a blind spot. Um, And for a really long time, the research really has pointed to kind of rest is what's needed to happen. And thankfully, um, a lot of medical research has pointed out in so many cases that rest is really not appropriate. Um, That's especially with um, soft tissue injuries like tendons and muscles and even like ankle sprain, like a ligament injury, that rest, absolute rest isn't appropriate for those in most situations because those tendons do adapt under our pressure when we're walking, when we're running, when we're jumping. Um, And so if we take our weight off of that, it actually deloads that body part, that tendon, and it actually starts to then become weaker over time. So like you were saying, finding the root cause. So you know, when we're, when I'm meeting a runner, I want to check their strength of their core, their trunk, their hips, that all the way down to their feet. Um, I want to make sure that we're doing an evaluation 
explore range of motion, that all of their range of motion of their hips, their knees, their back, ankles is all um, appropriate for running and not, um, you know, any sites of stiffness. <clears throat> that that stiffness can come up even from an old ankle sprain. You might be walking around just fine, but we might find that one ankle is much stiffer than the other. And that just kind of asks other body parts to do more when that body part is doing less. So I say to patients, it's like you rob Peter to pay Paul, that old verbiage, that if your ankle isn't moving right, then you're up the chain or even down the chain further into your foot is going to compensate. And having that compensation is just asking it to do way more than it's supposed to do. Um, so trying to find, like you said, that root cause. I really try to teach patients too. There's times when we have several things going on. And so I'll say like our lives are like a layer of an onion. Like I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a PT, I'm a daughter, I'm a career and all these things. So um, injuries, we can have multiple injuries going on at the same time. Um, or even like we could have very severe weakness with a stiff ankle and some tendon issues. Um, and then how are we going to address all of those things? So just making a game plan for people of how to address all of those issues. That's where I really see patients struggle. They've heard the stop running recommendation and they don't know how to go about getting back to it because maybe there's so many things going on. Yeah, I love that. So, I mean, I think you you have a lot to unpack there. I, I mean, where should someone start? So let's say... You know, we were talking via email about plantar fasciitis or, you know, maybe someone has some a knee, you know, and their knees are bothering them while they're running. You know, you know, where, where do you think people should start? Should they, you know, you know it's, I don't want to say self-treat, but like is the old method, you know, uh, elevation, ice, uh, rest, you know, should someone start with that for a couple of weeks before going in? Like, what is the typical recommendation you give for, let's say, an average runner out there, maybe semi-competitive in that they still do races, you know, but we're not talking someone that's, you know, trying to go set, uh, you know, records in races. We're just talking about the average person out there. Where, where should they start if they're having an injury? Yeah, so sometimes that's complex, but if we take that example of plantar fasciitis, um, I want a person to kind of just really think, I'll say, just take a weather report of your symptoms. Um, when are they at their worst? When do they get better? Um, how long does it get better for? If you do do something that irritates that, how long does it stay painful? Um, so plantar fasciitis, most people know of that as being kind of pretty debilitating, but it again can have many shades where it's kind of super mild. Um, so if we take a mild case, maybe it's just those first steps in the morning that are bothering you. In that case, you know, I might ask someone to um, maybe puff up their bottom of their quilts just so their feet aren't pointed or even maybe wear a little bit of a night slit. Um, and in that case, we might just need to modify their running, maybe intersperse some run walks, because maybe they tell me, yes, it's it's better after I start walking in the morning, but it gets a little sensitive or irritated when I do my runs, especially if I do something like um, a gravel run or a hill run. Mm -hmm. So I'll say maybe we have some parameters around that, that maybe we aren't doing speed work, we aren't doing hills, we aren't doing soft surfaces. So in that case, that person potentially could just keep running and maybe just subtract some of that intensity or more of the compliant surfaces and the hills just temporarily until their symptoms calm down. 
Um, if we have a really bad case of plantar fasciitis, where um, I would say my I had plantar fasciitis a summer or two ago, and it was pretty severe. So I actually pulled away from running because um, I was to the point where, um, and this can be common, where kind of any amount of walking, any amount of weight bearing was really painful in that area. Um, and so I really did have to pull back um, from running and even walking and do some more cross training where I was doing more biking. Um, I was trying to stay strong with my body. I was doing any weightlifting that I could with my legs, my arms, my core, um, so that when I was going to return to run, and that's very common when people are going to return to run, they're not, they were not dealing with a stronger, a weaker person. Um, you know, we've subtracted that running, but we've kept on the aerobic work. We've kept on the strength work so that we come back and we're going to bring that tissue back under load that, again, the whole body isn't weaker. So that's something really important to think about. Yeah, I, I like that. And I want to talk about getting back to running after injury in a second. But I, I want your opinion on something first. So, you know, is there ever a time, do you think, that someone just absolutely will never run again? Like, is there an instance where you just think physically, um, you know, and I'm talking like that, that they just they can't even do, you know, a, a um like a walk run type regimen? Like, is there any injury that you think is so severe that it's just going to cause that? Or do you think that there's always hope out there? I think for the most part, there is always hope. I was just kind of checking my brain back. Yeah. In the past, I've worked with a patient that had avascular necrosis of the hip. So his hip just spontaneously mm -hmm. started to disintegrate. He actually had no um, health uh, problems or an injury um, and he needed a hip replacement and he talked to his doctor and said I'm a runner and the ortho just said you know that might shorten the life expectancy of your hip replacement mm -hmm. but in that case the patient was like this is my like you said it's your whole life this is mm -hmm. so traumatic to have that taken away it would be like deciding to not be you anymore so that's a great example that we started with run walk and we did the strengthening and we got him back running I think at first he was a little disappointed that his paces were a lot slower because he was really pretty quick he was like a 315 marathoner for a I think he was in his 50s man um so I think early on, I really had to coach him and say, you know, what we're focused on first is to get you back to running. And you know, with time and patience and um, exposure to some speed work, you will get that back. But that might be the longer journey. Another example I have is working with a woman. I actually met her like 11 months after she had her injury. She had a stress fracture in her navicular, which is the bone on the inside of your arch. It is considered a high-risk fracture. Yep. So um, that area can progress to a, a fracture and then also have a non-union where the bone does not actually grow back together. And mm -hmm. that's what happened for her is she kind of ignored it, uh, fully fractured it. Then it went through non-union. And when I met her, she had actually gotten a pin put in her bone and be using a bone stimulator. So early on, she really was still told not to bear weight. So we were doing everything as far as cardio, non-weight bearing, all of the rest for strengthening, um, getting ready to load that foot. And then it was walking through the steps, really working with her ortho, um, 
you know, week by week or every two weeks of, okay, what do you think? That ortho was really good. They would, they were ordering several x-rays almost monthly to really make sure that bone was making advancements. And because they felt comfortable, the bone was healing. They were like, okay, you can go to that next step of uh, fully bearing weight of uh, introducing walking program, introducing some jumping. So those cases are um, both very severe injuries and mm-hmm. they both did get to return back to running. It took a really long time. I know with that uh, patient with the foot injury, the whole total of time was almost two and a half years, but that's with kind of the whole 11 months before she met me that um, she was trying to do it on her own. Yeah, no, that that's really inspiring. So I mean, I mean thank you. I know that was a question. I definitely put you on the spot. I was just curious. Oh, that's okay. Because uh, I think, you know, sometimes you just have to slow down or run less or change your surfaces. But uh, I just yes. want people to know that there is hope out there. Uh, and it can be frustrating, especially when you're trying to get back at it after you have been hurt. So, you know, let's let's go to that next, if that's all right, Jenna. I mean, and you can start with, you know, let's say that a patient comes in to you and is in the midst of an injury. So, you know, I know I know that's a really broad question, but, you know, how much strength training do you generally recommend that is done on a regular basis, whether it's, you know, at, during the recovery process and then, you know, during the return to running a process, like what are your recommendations for both of those? Right. Um, I think it's important. I would always do a strict evaluation to determine, you know, how strong that person was. It's really important that we are kind of getting a gauge on every individual, um, you know, for example, if we had them start doing some single leg squats on their unaffected, their non-injured leg, that might be a big jump for them. And you might think as a runner, like a single leg squat might not be a big deal, but you'd be surprised um, how many runners actually can't do a very, um, very many single leg squats. So um, I always try to aim for runners doing between two and three strength workouts per week. Um, and then again, we're kind of finding some particular exercises and I'm working with them in a session to kind of uh, increase the load or decrease the load. Um, an example with a single leg squat, like if they can't sit all the way down to a regular office chair and get back up very easily, then I'm going to move them over to a, a mat in a clinic or even to like a butt tap on a wall where you're doing kind of a partial wall squat and then have them work there. Maybe there are three sets of eight or 10 where they're getting pretty tired and then they're going to progress lower into that squat as they're able to. So that may take um, two to four weeks for them to go from, you know, a 20 inch um, depth squat down to a 17 or uh, 16 inch office chair. Um, so again, just really meeting them where they are and making sure we're doing a good job of examining all their strength. Um, we do know that there's some parameters as far as returning to running that you want people to have. So we'd want them to be able to do between 20 to 30 single leg squats for two to three sets on one leg. Um, we'd like to see about 50 single leg heel raises, um, times two to three for a runner on each leg, um, which is very deceivingly hard. Um, and then there's others that don't really have good parameters yet, like a, like a lunge or a side plank. Um, we just meet that patient where they are and then try to progress that strength up. But again, it would be really two times a week at minimum. And then three would probably be the maximum. I really try to make sure that I'm respecting 
someone's life so that we're not um, overwhelming them because that they might just think, I can't do four times a week. This is mm-hmm. um, just not going to fit into my life. So they won't do it at all. So that's, that's really frustrating. And I don't want that to happen for clients. Yeah, I, 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 I'll just be completely honest here. I was standing up while you're talking and just seeing if I, I don't think I can do a single leg squat down as far as you were saying. So, um, I'm going to set my goal on to try to add that to my strength training regimen. I think my biggest problem is similar to a lot of runners. Like you get in a rut where you do certain exercises and then you just kind of do those same things every day. And I do my pull-ups and my, you know, core stuff. And I mean, I think I'm really branching out with different kinds of planks and stuff, but lower leg, I'm still just not as uh, good. I think it's that old school mentality where, you know, you get your strength from running. And even though I talk on this podcast a lot about the importance of strength training, it's my least favorite thing to do. I'll just be completely transparent, even though I know the importance of it. So uh, definitely, do you have any, I mean, resource recommendations of, you know, basic strength training plans that people can do or uh, how, you know, any core basic exercises that, you know, people can start with if, you know, maybe they don't have a trainer yet or they don't, you know, have access to a good PT. Yeah, I'll wrap another PT. His name is Chris Johnson. Um, He's at strengthrunning.com. He has a wonderful podcast too. He has um, a strength program for runners and it's called the Cinderblock series, I believe. And it's on both his website and I think he um, has links to it on his Instagram. So it's Chris Johnson um, of strengthrunning.com. He has just a really great thorough strength program. And I think that that would be a great place to start. I think finding inspiration um, from social media um, is an excellent site also. Like you said, huh, I've never thought about doing a single leg squat. Let's see how I do. And then, but keeping up with it then and saying like, wow, that was really hard for me. I need to put that in there. Instead of my regular squats, I'm going to try to do single leg squats. Um, And I know when I reached out to you, like uh, you're running after 40, kind of the whole mindset about your podcast I really I'm 42 and a lot of my coworkers and I are really realizing like when we are told we're 20 when you're in your 40s you're not going to recover as much it's it's completely true and now I'm coming to that realization um, but more importantly we're finding so much research on the benefits of strength training for women in their 40s perimenopausal, postmenopausal, um, as far as building the tendon really strong so we can somewhat avoid tendon and muscle injuries by making those tendons very strong. We use the word resilient because that tendon can is responding when it's underweight with your weight training, and then it can do that and be more durable for running. Um, we also know that strength training is so powerful for women um, who have bone density issues. Mm-hmm. And that's because the muscle is actually contracting on the bone or pulling at the bone at its site where it attaches. And because of that pulling or that squeezing of the muscle, it's actually going to drive that bone to get stronger. And sometimes you think as runners that maybe our bones, oh, it should be really dense because I'm running, it's getting good at compacting. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've somewhat learned that it's not unique enough like after you've done 40 or 50 strides, the body's like, okay, you're going to do this again. Never mind, I'm not going to adapt. Where that's where the strength training, doing um, 
like we talked about the single leg squats, the side planks, just different variations of workouts Mm -hmm. can really be a stimulus to the bones and it's unique. And so that bone is going to be interested in that and, and start to adapt and build stronger bones. Well, that's really fascinating. I think that that's enough. I mean, it gives me a lot of motivation to understand some of the science behind that too, because uh, it's definitely not an area that I keep up on. So I love that. And I know that you mentioned the mental aspect of just understanding that it is going to be tougher to recover, you know, in the over 40 crowd, but it doesn't mean that we can't keep doing it. Do you have any tips for just, you had mentioned to me, you know, reframing how you look at walking breaks, reframing how you look at maybe your pace, you know, what are your recommendations to your clients that you give? Yeah. I mean, like you, when you talked about that mindset, it's just kind of keeping hope. I think I'm a pretty positive person and I try to support my clients in trying to see small wins as far as, you know, Hey, we are, we're walking consistently three to four times per week. That is the gateway to getting you back to running. When I'm working with people on introducing jumping, I would say this is the the last step we have to do until we start a run to walk program. Um, then supporting them with that run to walk. Um, if someone's really bogged down with that frustration of how slow it is, I will really encourage people when you're walking, I want you to walk like I'll use the term rage walking that you are, you're so mad and you're going to walk so briskly and you're going to walk very strongly um, because you're really going to still keep your heart rate up. So when we're talking about those walk breaks, oftentimes I want you walking super brisk, like keeping a 14 minute mile pace. So on Mm -hmm. a treadmill or on the ground, that's pretty hard to do. So I don't want the walks to be really casual. So even teaching people that, um, the reframing, just really focusing on is this is just this time, um, using some of the coaching, um, kind of paradigms of, you know, if we can get this done this next four weeks, then we're going to be in a a 12 week building plan of getting you some aerobic base. And then we're into a training plan. So then kind of laying that out there, you know, by, uh, February 2nd, you're going to be in your start of your next training plan for a half marathon. Um, so just always keeping the long-term goal in uh, in their eyesight, but then also really supporting them in the short-term goal. Like, yes, we really do have to have you do the brisk walking first before we do the run walks. Yeah, no, I like that. And I like how you uh, mentioned rage walking. That's a really good way to think about it. So uh, let's talk just, you know, before we wrap up here, and I want to make sure that you get a chance to share your website and your Instagram and all of that jazz. So we'll get to that in just a second. But as far as, you know, healthy runners, let's say that you're not currently injured and you're just looking to recover a little bit faster. That's what a lot of my episodes have been about. And I'd love to hear just any recommendations you have in that regard. I think when uh, I talk to people about how we can recover the best, it's the things that we do outside of running. So it could be, if you think you have questions about, am I eating enough? Am I eating the right things? Reading out, reaching out to a sports uh, nutritionist would be awesome because then you're really going to support your healing and recovery by making sure you're getting a ton of nutrients in. Um, sometimes we're undershooting how much we're eating. We're kind of eating intuitively, but we're eating a little bit too uh, 
not enough. And so they could help us build that up that way. Another really important thing is really looking at our sleep. And I think we're getting bombarded with, you need to get better sleep. You need to get more sleep. We're hearing that from all sides. But again, the science behind it is that's when our body is really restoring and our bones are going to be making those adaptions. Um, So there's some pretty awesome research about making sure you're getting adequate sleep and that can depend. So I know some women that can sleep seven hours a night and other women need nine. Um, And that's just everyone is individual, but that would be something really to work on. Um, And with that sleep, it's frustrating, but especially when we have little kids. So it's just, you know, it's, it's not the nights when kids wake you up. It's, it's the nights when you can actually focus on it and get a good night's rest. I, as a mom, we all know those nights are going to happen. And my kids are eight and six. And I still know periodically they're going to wake me up in the middle of the night and that's okay. Yes. Um, another one would be um, making sure we're getting like enough, maybe like meditation and mindfulness. So kind of doing like a de-stressing type practice um, and that can be really anything like in a self-care world. It really honestly could be taking 10 minutes to clip your fingernails and polish them or taking time out to give yourself a nice hairstyle, go to the hair, you know, hair salon. Um, so kind of keeping up with some of that self-care stuff. And it's really weird to think that all of those outside of running would really be important, but really just taking care of ourselves in multiple different facets is how we're going to restore ourselves and be able to um, heal and recover really well as a runner. Yeah, I I fully agree with that. And I think that especially most of the listeners on this podcast, running is a big part of their life. So I think just realizing that all those little things add up to the big things and that you know, you've touched on sleep. I I really focus on my sleep and it is a struggle. I still have, I don't have little kids anymore, but I still got have kids and, and work stresses and all the things. So it's, it's tough, but it is one thing that it, there's nothing's going to make you feel better than a good night's sleep. Uh, okay. Well, wrapping up here, will you please share your, definitely your Instagram handle, you know, how you work with runners, like if they wanted to work with you, whether you're as a coach or your strength program, that type of thing, I would love to hear it. And, and guys, I'm not familiar with what Jenna's offerings are. So this is learning to me too. Well, again, thank you so much for having me on. Um, My Instagram is runstrongpt. And from my um, links to my bio, I have my website there. Um, So the website is connected there. I'm working to get it changed to be runstrongpt.com. It isn't there yet. I just have to do some updates. So that's why I'll say go to my Instagram page and you can get to my um, website that way. So as a physical therapist, my license only extends to the state of Minnesota currently. So I practice in Minnesota. I see my running clients virtually. Um, So it could be anyone in the state of Minnesota. I can see them. Um, And then as far as coaching, that really could be anyone across the United States. So that could be looking at um, some of those principles we just talked about, like how can I improve my running in those other outside of running ways? Um, I've worked with people kind of uh, that return to run as far as a coach. If they're not injured um, and if they're not dealing with pain, I can really work with anyone for a return to run and help them write a return to run plan and help them write out some of those timelines. Again, thinking about that coaching training perspective in addition um, to anything they have going on. 
Um, but my clients here in Minnesota, I see them virtually. Um, that's really great. So we always do a physical therapy evaluation as our first session. And then we do follow-up treatment sessions. I always offer um, 30-minute complimentary discovery calls. And that could be for both clients, both the physical therapy clients in the state of Minnesota and coaching clients outside of our state. Um, so that's just a great way to reach out and to just really see if we, if the client and I would be a good fit for each other um, and really answer, you know, should they maybe see a PT first and they're in a different state? Um, how could I help them find a good running PT in that different state too? So I'm always open to those calls for sure. Wonderful. And I will put links to all your stuff, Jenna, in the show notes so people can easily access it. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to have you on today and just learn a little bit more about you, uh, the tips that you have for our community, and uh, just really get people in motion for 2024 and beyond. Uh, I think we all want to, you know, run longer, run faster, run happier, uh, and just have a balanced life. I, I think those are the things that my community is looking for. So I'm, I'm really glad that you came on. Thanks. Thanks so much, Sarah. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Running After Age 40 podcast. If you like the show, please be sure to rate and give us a like in iTunes. Also check out our website, www.runningwithgrit.com for all things related to running over the age of 40. We have a special gift guide up for the holidays on the site designed to share stocking stuffer ideas and gifts for runners at pretty much every price. Thanks for listening.